0: What God is doing. Um, we want to uh, say thank you to uh, your prayers for Allie. Uh, they had a beautiful baby boy today. Everything is fine. Uh, the name is uh, Valor Onyx Locke. He was born this morning. Uh, and so everything is doing well. Thank you for continued prayers for them. Amen. We are excited for the future that God has for us. Amen. No matter how grim and dark it may seem for the world, God's future is always bright for His people. Amen. we got to keep our eyes on Him. Amen. Amen. As we're staying, we go to the Word of the Lord tonight, um, book of Isaiah, the ninth chapter. going to finish up our series tonight about the turning of a nation. Isaiah 9, chapter 8, Then the Lord sent a word into Jacob, and it hath lightened upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim, the inhabitant of of Samaria, that say in the pride and stoutness of heart, The bricks are fallen down, but we will rebuild them with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him, And join his enemies together, the Syrians before, the Philistines behind. They shall devour Israel with an open mouth. This is, you know, this has got to break God's heart when he's got to say this. Devour his own nation, his own people. For all this anger, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. and. That's where it all is, just seeking the Lord, turn your hearts to Him, amen, and God can uh, take care of you. Amen, turn to a few people, uh, wave at them, I'm going to air high five as you're seated this evening. We've been following the nation of Israel since its promised birth with uh, Father Abram to the formation and the founding of it by the very hand of Almighty God and delivering them out of Egypt and leading them through the wilderness into the promised land. And we saw that once they got settled in, history tells us that they quickly forgot About the one who brought them out. And they turned from God, turned their hearts away from God, and they turned their homes, and their nations turned, uh, their nation turned and served other gods. And because God loves his people, he doesn't want them to just do what they want and and sit back and watch them uh, go off astray. He doesn't let them just do what they want, but he sends them warnings and possibly corrections to help his people restore them to the right place, which is back in his fold and in his arms. Because what kind of love just lets people go and never says anything to them or or warns them about that and never does anything about uh, their wrong decisions I'm thankful that we serve a God who loves us, who still loves us, that He loves us so much that He came and He took our punishment on that cross and He died for us. He died so that we would not have to die. That's the love that Jesus has for us and for uh, His people. Paul tells us just how powerful that love that God has for us in Romans 8.38. For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm thankful that nothing has a power to rip us from the love that God has for us. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what situation. It doesn't matter the, the financial or economic uh, woes in this world. Nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. And so if He loves us that much then He will do whatever He can, whatever we permit Him to, to, to get us saved and to keep us uh, saved. And all that includes allowing difficulties to come into our life. That includes sending warnings our way and to say, I, I, I think you're going the wrong way. Thank you, Lord, for the warnings. Thank you for the, for the caution lights and the flashing lights. And that it also includes introducing chastisement and even heartache in our lives to really get our attention. He did all of this for his people, Israel. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for us as well. And I'm thankful that he loves us with a love that he will not let us just go away that easily, but he will uh, try to get us to turn our ways back to him. But as long as we listen and obey his word, uh, we should do well with our life and uh, go where God wants us to go. But Israel did not listen. They listened to their flesh. They listened to their pride instead and they rejected God's warnings and His chastisements and whatever God had to do to or at least try to get their attention. They just rejected that and they uh, went even in the, the wrong direction even more so. But the day came where God allowed Israel uh, to be stricken by an enemy. God allowed a strike to happen to Israel unlike any other one before, and how they responded to, the, to that blow to the nation would determine what direction they were, would go to. So uh, when God sends these things, these warnings to us, once we receive the warning or the, the event or whatever happens, really we find ourselves at a crossroads because now because God's word has came into our life and presented itself, a uh, shine, a light down our path, the, the, ray, the way that we're going. Uh, now we're at a crossroads. Do we continue going the way we've been going? Or do we go when we turn into the direction that God is trying to get us to go? Uh, and so when this event happened in Israel, Israel had a choice. Are they going to listen and heed to this warning? Or would they just ignore it and keep on going the way that they've been going? And their response, as the Bible says, was rooted in pride and in stoutness of heart, meaning they were just so uh, prideful and arrogant in their own ways that they uh, resisted the the response, the call to God. In verse ten of our text. They said the bricks are fallen down but we will build with hewn stones and the sycamores are cut down but we will change them into cedars. And so their response was indicative of the condition of their heart. A humble heart and a humble spirit would not have a response like that. A humble heart would would respond with crying out to God for repentance and and, and brokenness for whatever they uh, perceive sin in their life. But uh, there was no mention of repentance or no mention of godly sorrow in their response. No thought that this happened because... We have been sinning and we've become a wicked and evil nation. None of that in their response. They say that we were struck, we were attacked, but we will rebuild and we will come back even stronger. That was their response. We can take care of ourselves, we can fix ourselves, we can fix our own problems We'll just use stronger materials and and, and better uh, processes in place than what was before. But the problem is when you try to fix a spiritual problem with physical solutions, you will always fail. You cannot fix spiritual uh, problems with the natural and the physical realm. The only way to fix that is in the spiritual realm is by repentance and a, a turning of your heart and your mind and your spirit back to God and the turning in your spirit back to God. That's the only way that we can fix any kind of spiritual uh, issues in our life is going to uh, God. And so it's impossible to do. All Israel had to do was to repent and to turn from their ways. And God would have restored the nation of Israel back to its uh, blessings and back to its pinnacle in the world and being an example in a light to the world. And they would have bounced back even stronger than before not because they would use hewn stones instead of bricks and not because they would use cedars instead of sycamore trees, but because their hearts were right, because their hearts turned back to God and the people turned their attention from their wickedness and turned back to God and God would fix their spiritual problem and thus would fix their land and any other issues they had. If you strive to fix the spiritual problem, God will take care of the natural and the physical. If we worry about getting our soul right and keeping our spirit right and our attitudes right with God and aligned with the Word of God, God will worry about the natural world. He'll worry about the physical. If we keep our hearts right and our spirits right, Let God worry about that because didn't Jesus say seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink but it's righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost and so we have to seek after the the spiritual things and God will worry about the physical. But so often do we Try to fix everything with the natural and the physical, because we're, we're natural beings, and so that's immediately uh, can be our first response is we'll take care of it, we'll handle it. But if it's a spiritual issue, if the root of it is spiritual, It doesn't matter how much physical uh, materials you do and how many things you uh, do with your natural abilities. It's not going to fix the hole that's in our spirit and that's separating us from God. And so that is what Israel's response to their attack was. It's just all natural. We'll fix everything naturally when it was uh, a spiritual issue. If the bricks are falling down in your life and your walls are broken, The way to fix those things is not to rebuild them of your own efforts and ability, but it's to first build an altar unto God and get yourself right with God first, and then let God use you to restore the walls and the buildings and the things that are broken down. Remember in Psalms 51, David did not ask for the walls of Jerusalem to be built until his heart was right with God, because... If your heart is not right, it doesn't matter what the physical is. It doesn't matter what the material goods and possessions are. You can have, uh, be blessed materially, but if your soul and your spirit is not right, it doesn't matter in the end. And so everything else will become futile, and your efforts will be in vain if we try to fix the spirit with the natural. And so we all understand the parallels with Israel and America And last week we looked at the words of our first president and the words that Washington declared over this nation was that if we disregard the rules that heaven has ordained, then we as a nation cannot expect heaven to smile on America. And so Washington uttered those words into heaven as we officially began as a nation and do you know where that happened? Do you know where George Washington was when he spoke those very words? Was not in Washington DC because that did not exist. He he was still alive and so they didn't name a city after him. We didn't have a White House, so he was not at the White House when he said that. We didn't have we didn't have Capitol building in DC. Our our headquarters I guess was in Philadelphia where everything was taking place. But where uh, George Washington was sworn in and inaugurated as the first president and where he spoke those, those words uh, and he uttered those into eternity, he spoke those words in Federal Hall. Federal Hall is on Wall Street in New York City. It's in the financial district of, Wall, of, of New York City. And after he spoke those words, George Washington and members of Congress went down the street to St. Paul's Chapel and they had a church service. And they, they, they prayed to God and they thanked God for His many blessings and all that he, His hand upon this nation uh, as a newborn nation. But the very next street over from the church is where the World Trade Center towers were built. One street from the church. Three blocks from Federal Hall. Three blocks from where Washington spoke those timeless words, the financial district, the very place where our first leader made that declaration to God is the very place where this nation was struck like it was never stricken before. Coincidence? I think not. The temple, the very place that Solomon stood before God and declared and reiterated the covenant with God and his people, uh, that, that very temple that day uh, was eventually was struck down. Even God said, told Solomon, this very building you're dedicating to me today, I will strike it down if you guys uh, do not follow my words, if you don't adhere to my commandments. Uh, and and you, we, we, we think, wow, God, you would strike down your own building. God doesn't care about the building. God wants to inhabit your heart. God wants to live in your heart. And so uh, Solomon and all of them thought, well, we'll build you a great temple. God says, I'll tear this temple down if you guys, if your hearts are not right. And so that very temple, the temple was destroyed, burned to the ground in 586 by King Nebuchadnezzar. And even God said this very building he would destroy it. And again, it was built, it was uh, rebuilt and it was destroyed again in 70 A.D., uh, and it has yet to be rebuilt. And so the Word of God told us that uh, what happened and history verifies it, uh, that is exactly what happened, is that that very temple of Almighty God was destroyed. And so our response to the September 11th attack, the attack like we faced none other on this nation uh, Our response on September 12th, as we we alluded to last week, uh, the speaker of the house, Tom Daschle, said, this is what he says, I know that there is only the smallest measure of inspiration that can be taken from this devastation, but there is a passage in the Bible from Isaiah that I think speaks to all of us at times like this. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled but we will replace them with cedars. Did Tom Daschle understand the context of that verse? I doubt it. Did he realize that Israel said that verse in defiance to God? Maybe if he realized that, maybe he would have said some other verse. But I don't think he knew that. It's amazing that out of all the verses in the Bible, he decided to choose and to read that one. He didn't know, but as he said it, he was declaring it. And as you know, that is exactly what we did. We built a new tower that was taller and stronger than the previous towers. But what is interesting is that when the towers fell, put up picture number one, they say that over two billion tons of steel and debris came crashing down. That is the... The, the site uh, of 9-11. Um, and you can see it, the, the, the top right corner, you see the arrow. That is where the church is or was that George Washington went into when prayed after the inauguration, after saying those words. And that's how close uh, the church is to the World Trade Centers. Um, the chapel, they, that, that church, had six inches of dust covering that building. But not a single window was broken. Nothing was damaged, no roof damaged, nothing. The only damage to that church was there was a crack in one of the windows. After seven buildings collapsing right next door to it, uh, that church was protected. Being so close to the towers, you would think that metal would be flying in every direction, and it was, and caused damage to the surrounding buildings, and it did. But the church where George Washington prayed and gave thanks to God at the beginning of our nation was not damaged because there was a sycamore tree that was there on property that was knocked down. Because it took the force and the brunt of all the damage. The bricks are fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. I know it just sounds uh, unbelievable, but uh, you can go check it out yourself. Uh, so the sycamore tree that was on that property shielded the tree, shielded the church from all of the debris and the damage. But yet... The sycamore was cut down due to the damage. Put up picture number two. Um, On July 4, 2004, um, America had a special ceremony, or New York did, laying a cornerstone for the new tower, the Freedom Tower. And the governor, George Pataki, said, Today we take 20 tons of Adirondack granite, the bedrock of our state and, the place, and place it as the foundation, the bedrock of a new symbol of American strength and confidence. Today we lay the cornerstone for a new symbol of this city and this country, of, of our resolve in the face of terror. Next picture. He goes on to say, Today we, the heirs of that revolutionary spirit of defiance, lay this cornerstone and unmistakably signal to the world the unwavering strength of this nation and our resolve to fight for freedom. And so the, the bricks have fallen, but we will build with hewn stone or cut out stone. And so they go to the mountains of New York and they cut out a stone. And they lay it in the foundation of the new tower that they that we are rebuilding. Amazing. Next picture. In 2003, a tree was placed in the ground where the sycamore was fallen. It was a Norway spruce tree, which is in the same family of evergreen coniferous trees as cedars. And and so the very ground where the sycamore fell down, they replaced a, a tree in its place. Isn't it amazing that the verse that was quoted on September 12, 2001... We more, more than just saying it, but we actually live that out as a nation. We actually did that verse. We completed that verse. and it's, and, and that is not the verse that we should be living out. We should not be quoting Isaiah 9 and 10 and talking about rebuilding with hewn stone and replacing the fallen cedars with things because that was spoken out of uh, defiance. Uh, Tom Dashall should have quoted 2 Chronicles 7 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what we needed that day was a healing of our land, a healing of our nation, a healing of our, our brokenness. And if we wanted to rebuild America and remake and make it stronger than ever before, that is how it should start. By humbling ourselves as a people, humbling ourselves as a nation and pray, seek the face of God and turn from our wicked ways as a nation. And that is how our land will be healed. Not by trying to fix it and build it ourselves. No other people can acknowledge the invisible hand of God than the people of the United States. And so if we were, if we are going to turn And if we want to see our land healed and our nation fixed and restored, we can't do it by the physical. We can't do it by the material and and do everything that we're so accustomed to in this world. We have to do it by turning to God. September eleventh, two 2001 was a a warning, was a wake-up call to this nation That we had better turn from our ways and turn to God because we, that day, we entered a crossroads. Are we going to continue on down the path that we were living and moving towards? Or would there be a turn and a changing and a turning in our hearts and our homes back to God? September 11th was the day that God removed a hedge of protection around this nation because Up until then, we were strong, we were mighty, but never before had we faced anything like that before. How could that happen? Only if God allows it to happen. And if he allows devastation to happen, that means he's removing a hedge. He's pulling back some protection uh, around. We see that in the story of Job, how uh, the devil was allowed to uh, attack Job only because God removed a hedge but put up another hedge. And so our response to it was, we'll do it on our own. We'll rebuild stronger and bigger and better than ever before. And Think about it. Well, I know you don't have to think about it very long, but since 2011, have we as a nation turned more to God or turned more away from Him? Less than three years later in 2004, Massachusetts became the first state to allow same-sex marriage. And then in 2015, our highest courts in the land declared it uh, as okay to happen. And picture number five, and so now this is what America now represents. Uh, same-sex marriage is, is okay, is allowed. And and it, it began to infiltrate churches. All of these church denominations uh, allow same sex marriages. The A- Anglican, the Baptist, the Catholic, Lutherans, Methodists, Pentecostals, Reformed, and many other denominations now allow same sex marriages in their churches. And this is how we take the wake up warning that God delivered on September 11th. I would say that we are moving in the wrong direction and we are moving quickly. The financial district in, the, in New York City has always been the epicenter of America's financial power, and it took a direct hit. And I would argue that America has never financially really recovered since that day. After the attacks, the feds dropped the interest rate to help spur the economy. we got to get this going can't allow it to die out, and so uh, dropped the interest rate, it loosened uh, lending standards, almost handing out money, to go and spend it, help help the economy grow. And as we saw the, the boom, the economic boom uh, from uh, 2002 to 2006, and then what happened in, in later 2007, the crash of 2007-2008, because when you have no standards of lending, because you want to recover from the attack on your country and so you, you start giving away money basically to anybody and everyone, eventually that's going to catch up to you. You try to fix it on your own and try to just to hand out all these things and find all these financial Measures you put in place or you remove, whatever you got to do to help uh, manufacture uh, the economy, eventually it's going to catch up to you. And so 2011, the crash in 07 and 08 can easily be tied back to the attacks on 9-11. And I would say that we really, 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 really haven't recovered since the crash of 07, 08, 09. Oh, 11 whenever. sure the stock market is up. sure the economy is or it was booming. But something happened in, in the crash of 007 that the Federal Reserve really started printing money, if you will. It's called quantitative easing, a nice word that means you are the banker and monopoly and you can print as much money as you want. And so from 2007, 2000 to 2014 and 15, the Fed printed about $4.5 trillion in its economic recovery program under the title uh, Quantitative Easing. That's how much money it took for us to rebound from the crash, $4.5 trillion. Now, if you could go home, And if you could print all the money you wanted, do you think your life would be booming? It better be booming. But we know it's not real, is it? We may be enjoying it, but really it's not real because it's just generated out of uh, nothing. Musicians, if you would come. And so I don't think, if we haven't really recovered since the crash, which is tied to 9-11, uh, i don 't think we 've really recovered since nine eleven that we 're just kind of pretending we 're putting on a facade because really, if you look at it financially speaking, really America is a bankrupt nation, But the world uses our dollar as its standard. Everybody takes and accepts, and the, 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 the standard for the world commerce is the U.S. dollar, and so we're the standard. And so we have to keep on pretending like everything is fine. But I believe that America really has been on life support since the crash of 07 and 08 once the Fed had to start doing printing trillions of dollars. And so then... Uh, we get here to 2020, and then coronavirus comes, and really kind of pulls the plug on our economic ventilator. And so now, what do we do? How do we get out of this? Well, we can. We'll make a way. We'll find a way to get out of this. Now we have to go back to the printing press because that is the only way we can stay afloat. Is to Make more money, just print more money. Picture number six. And so that is, uh, that was from March 15th, I think. Fed announces unlimited bond purchases in an unprecedented move aimed at preventing an economic depression. It has become clear that our economy will face uh, severe disruption. And so now the Fed says, unlimited. We're not going to put any standards, any limits on anything We'll just make as much money as we need to to get through this. And so it's unlimited now. As much as we need, we will print because America cannot fail because we will rebuild. We will rebuild of our own power and we will fix this any way that we can. And just this week on Tuesday, our national debt passed $26 trillion. $26 trillion is our national debt now. I remember just a few years ago, it seemed like it was 8 or $9 trillion. Now it's $26 trillion. About every 30 days now, we're adding another trillion dollars to our debt, which cannot be repaid. How can you, rep- how can you pay back a $26 trillion debt? And our $1,200 Trump checks are a part of that now. And so God blessed America to become one of the most prosperous nations on the earth. But God's blessings ended up turning our hearts away from him and focusing on our own cares, our own wants, pushing God out of our hearts, out of our homes, pushing him out of our schools, out of our public, and embracing ungodliness, embracing uh, sin, embracing Uh, uh, wicked lifestyles is what America has come to stand for now. And a warning came to us to wake us up. Before we went down a road that was not good, and we, just like Israel, put our car in gear and put the pedal to the metal and said, we're going to do it on our own. Because how far are we from God? In these past 19 years have we gotten you stand with me today but it's not all hopeless even in the midst of calamity chastisement there is always room for hope there is always grace available because the Bible says where sin does abound grace does much more abound and I don't know about you but I see a lot of sin out there and that means there's even more grace out there for the sinners, there's even more grace out there uh, for America and for the rest of this world in the midst of the rubble of September 11th something stood out from the destruction in the last picture this has come to known as the World Trade Center cross. In the midst of all that rubble, there was a cross that kind of just kind of stood out. And they, they took it out of there and they built it. They put a, a, a stand on it. And it is still uh, there today in the memorial. Uh, I wish it was out on the public grounds, but it's down in the museum somewhere below surface. You have to go to the museum to see that cross and be a lot better if they just left that out in public on the street but who would have thought that something like that could come out of the destruction that happened that day as America some of Americans rallied around that cross but that was a sign to America right there in front of our eyes where to go How to fix this problem, how to fix, how to recover from this damage and from this destruction was the cross standing right there in front of us. And it seems to me that we may have missed that as a nation. America is not on the right track, it's speeding down the road of destruction, but it does not have to end like that. Because I believe that if America repents as a nation and turns from its ways and turns back to God, I truly believe that we would see again that invisible hand come down from heaven and heal our nation, heal our land, and heal our hearts. But only God can do something like that. Only God can turn that around, and we have to be willing to allow Him to do that. The church is the anomaly in all of this. As America and this world is headed down the road of destruction, the churches are the ones, we are the ones that are truly blessed and are not going down that road but the church is on a destination that is going up yonder we are on our way to glory and God is going to be pouring out his spirit in these last days one more time because he wants to fill up his church before he comes back for it and so we need to be ready as a people we need to be ready as a church we need to turn our hearts and our lives back to God in these last days because I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay here and face what this world is heading to. But I want to go to be with Jesus and to worship with him for all of eternity. As we begin to sing, as we begin to turn our eyes and attention to God, why don't you just close your eyes and raise your hands and just cry out to God. Lord, prepare
1: us in these last days. Help us, Jesus, to continue in your word. For you, Jesus, shall so try and turn away from sin and wickedness. God. Help us to be the light, the hope, and the world. I'll be, be a living. We'll be that vessel. We'll be that sanctuary. Sacrifice. Thank you. our hearts bless his with God. church God Lord, bless this community God Lord, mercy this nation again God Lord I love you Jesus. hallelujah send Jesus. mercy to every nation of this world
0: Man, let's thank him for his grace his mercy his love lord nothing can separate us from your love god help us jesus to continue turning to you following after you the leading of your spirit here in your still small voice speaking to our hearts god that we not turn away but that we turn to you and the bible talks about a house divided against itself cannot stand If this nation was built upon the foundation of the Word of God, and we kick out the Word of God, we cannot stand. That's not how we were built and formed as a nation. And so the only way that we can survive as a nation is to turn back to God. If God allowed Israel to be destroyed, don't think He won't let that happen to America. I know we love America. God is not a respecter of persons, but if God would stand for one nation, I would say he'll choose Israel over us. Israel is his people, his genuine people. And so if he'll allow that to happen to Israel, America needs to wake up. And it needs the help of the saints of the Almighty God to get the message out that we need to repent of our sins. We're going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Wash away all those sins. Amen. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues and living a holy, righteous life. That's what's going to turn this nation around. Nothing else can do that. No more fed help. Feds, feds are out of money. They can't help. They're trying. But pray for this nation. Pray for this world because... Um, You know, they're talking about the second wave of coronavirus coming through. Um, And, you know, as much as we saw already the devastation it did, um, I don't think it's the second wave. I still think it's part of the first wave because we're all all hiding out from the first wave. and So now we're all out. But they say the second wave would be in in the fall time, the flu season, which makes sense. But we, we need prayer. Uh, everybody needs prayer. And let's be loving, be, be merciful, be gracious to everybody out there because Lord knows we need it and they need it. Amen. Let's go and be the people of God and be a light in this world of darkness. Amen. God bless you. Just...